0: Talkers around the table today discuss the scope of fiction. We'll think about narratives and stories using ideas from literature, narrative theory, video game studies, screenwriting and filmmaking. We'll wonder if new narratives create new memories. Do we remember narratively? And what is the significance of the medium in storytelling? Are there a finite number of narrative structures? And what role does a crisis play in narratives? What's the long term future of narratives? And will interactive, kinesthetic simulation replace authorial narration? We are pleased and privileged to have three thinkers talkers around the table today. Dr. Shobhik Mukherjee who is a researcher in video games and storytelling and teaches at Presidency University in Calcutta. Prof. Rukmini Bhayanayar, who is a professor in IIT Delhi. She researches in areas of linguistics and narrative theory to understand the limits and possibilities of language. And Anjum Rajubali, who is a professional screenwriter and a screenwriting teacher and works in the Hindi film industry in Mumbai. So Rukmini, maybe we set the ball rolling with you uh, to start at a relatively simpler point and we'll go along and see where we land up. What is a narrative? Um, Why don't we start at that basic point and we'll see where we land up?
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, there are many ways to describe a narrative. Let's Mm -hmm. say we could think about uh, the structure of Mm -hmm. a narrative or the structure of a story. But I think it's quite important not to confuse fiction with narrative. Okay. So today's episode is I understand called the scope of fiction. That's right. But you know the one of the things is that fiction we usually oppose to let's say fact or something like this. Right. But narrative covers both fiction and fact. Mm -hmm. So we are storytelling animals as it were mm-hmm. we are narrative animals and I think um, somebody like Daniel Dennett who's a cognitive scientist said human beings Uh, extrude stories, they create stories just as birds build nests or beavers build dams. Human beings make stories Mm. and those stories can be about real things Mm. and they can be about fictional objects. So narrative and fiction are not synonymous terms. Mm -hmm. So I think it's much easier to describe narrative structure mm-hmm. than to describe fictions mm-hmm. so we can start by saying maybe uh, here I can put something provocative on the table instead of saying what is narrative I could say what is the relationship of me to a narrative of a self to a narrative and right. here you could take a position such as um uh, we usually say uh Our stories, instead of saying uh, we make up our stories, we could say our stories make us up. They Uh are what give us selfhood. (laughs) And all the lines of different narratives, different uh, information that we have coming to us every day, we are made up by those narrative lines, those story lines, some of which we believe are facts. a uh, fiction and some of which are made up of fact but we are the sum total of our stories so we mm. could say who am i i am the sum total mm. of my story so that's one way of really answering the question who am i by asking what kind of fictional creature it's not possible am i to
0: answer that question without having a story
1: it's it's almost impossible because you remember yourself Right through your the stories that you've told yourself. Like you may believe, I'm the person who got on a plane from Delhi and came today. Now that is a kind of causal chain, a narrative chain, and that leads to your beliefs about yourself. And there's a link to the concept of memory there is absolutely I think that we are having this conversation you know um, Anjum and Shobik and I having this conversation with and you and uh, here it's happening in the present Mm -hmm. in a very now space Mm -hmm. but if tomorrow I go back to Delhi and uh, somebody asks me well what did you do in Bombay Mm -hmm. I'm going to say well I went to Lunch, and then we had this interesting conversation, and then we went home. And even that, if that's a boring story without sure. a crisis, we are, have put it into a causal memory sequence which I can retrieve and Mm -hmm. you can't do that by remembering things in the present Mm. you create a past and you create a future for yourself Mm. through your narratives and Mm. that's why I think I mean Shovik will say that it's to do with playing a game, a conversational game among ourselves Mm. Uh, Anjum may say it's to do with the scripts we write for ourselves Mm. and the society but overall each of us is constantly telling stories and this is why I said uh, you know our stories make us up just as much as we make up our stories which might be called an anti-foundationalist position because it be, what does it mean it means that you know I'm not this intentional self who is deciding to tell this story then to this person I'm a persistent and constant storytelling animal That's what I am. So I do this, and it's to do with memory. It's to do with thought. But whether storytelling is always fictional, that's a question which we need to discuss. Anju, what do you have
0: to say to that? Do you think stories make us up? What is a script? How you've written so many scripts over the years. Um, In in what ways is it similar or dissimilar to a story? And um, I think, given that we have the benefit of having you here, what would also be delightful to learn is what exactly happens in the process of translating <laughs> a story in your mind all the way up to a screen. There are some questions there. We'll pick some of them up sure, or maybe sure. a little bit later.
2: Yeah, it's I I actually uh, am sort of finding myself very stimulated by what Rukmini just said and I just want to acknowledge that, that she does... I mean, it's a very interesting way of looking at it that Stories make, make us, us up. up. So we are... Actually, if you look at it at a very basic level, then our experiences of life make us up, yes. But the way in which we formulate that and convey those experiences to ourselves such that they sit in our memory in a certain sequence. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, what is what she means mm-hmm. by narrative. That when you sequence the experiences of life in That's such right. a way that they make mnemonic sense mm. to us. Mnemonic sense. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so... And they have a mnemonic sort of durability, you know. So that yes. They continue to define us, our sense of ourselves, you know, as we have developed. Story, I guess, is a further formulation of that where I think it's also an attempt to make sense out mm. of life. It's an attempt to sort of locate some meaning in life because that's what story does. I mean, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's a Sometimes a story makes more sense than reality. Of course. But the story is meant to do
2: that. I mean, a story, even a story which is derived from reality mm-hmm. is actually one which takes out those... I mean, like as Hitchcock says, a story is life with all the boring parts taken out. <laughs> so <laughs> that's putting it in study humorously. <laughs> but here you're saying that you give it a certain causal chain reaction. That's Again, right. the word which is taken from you. Theory. So that this happened as a result of which that happened. I, mean, I think it was Hitchcock who said that a narrative... It's put very simplistically, but he said a narrative is the king died... And, and then the, the queen, queen died. died.
1: I and think Foster said that. Before, perhaps Foster. sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he
2: said in a story is the king died and as a result of the grief that she felt the queen died. So there's a causal sort of connection which is being given there. And this causality, I guess, is also what helps to make sense out of like, like why do things happen? Why do I get angry? Why is it that two people who were so desperately in love... It's a process
0: of sense-making almost. Yes, It's, hmm. it's a process also because
2: life itself is so confounding. I mean, human beings are such a bundle of contradictions. I mean, it bears repetitions that we are constantly being, you know, bewildered by our own choices, our own actions, our own feelings...
0: So I knew when you sit down mm. and write a story, I'm yes. sure it's not as straightforward as that. Mm. How does it go?
2: Um, I'll tell you what, I mean...
0: You the, you start off with that broad arc and it's process no, of fleshing no, it out. No, to no, wait, start, wait. I mean,
2: there is a stage before that which is an sure. extremely painful stage which is fraught with almost neurotic anxiety mm-hmm. there which is where you're trying to locate what is it that my story is going to be about that means what is the story i want to mm. tell about. i sit down and i feel i want to tell a story about what about what yeah because the thing also is here that the whatever it is that i seek as the pivot I have to be so deeply interested and attached to it that it has to last me about eight months to a year at a very minimum if right. I'm going to write a script on it. I need to remain interested in that. That means I ought to really for be engaged for your own sake. For your own sake.
0: For my own sake. Yes.
2: And therefore, it has to have that kind of value, story value to it, which will make a whole script with all those you know millions sure. of rupees which are going to be invested on it, etc. So when I start out to write, there's a whole period of brainstorming and chaos, which as both of these people will tell us is the beginning of all creative processes (laughs) and complete (laughs) chaos, which is frightening. That brainstorming and reflection, brainstorming and reflection alternatively, it is to locate what is it that is really burning a hole in my heart right now? What is it that moves me profoundly the most? Having located that, that is what I would call the dramatic center Mm -hmm. of that. Now the whole process of firstly making a story is to be able to elaborate on that. To be able to poke and pull and kick it around, hold it to sunlight. To see what kind of situations begin to is emerge. Is it just
0: work that. thereafter, after you located that dramatic center? Is it just what? Is it just work? Is it just a process of executing the remaining No, discovered? at
2: each stage, hmm. there is a discovery. So you're actually, what you're doing is you're... Dwelling on it, such that you begin to unpeel the layers. You know, like like unpeeling an Extern- onion is a very good way of putting it, no. or any fruit, or because there is hidden discovery. Mm-hmm. The, the story makes sense when, through the dramatic device, you are able to unpeel the external layers to discover hidden truths.
0: And do you worry whether this story is memorable? Whether others might
2: no? I'll tell you why. Because I, when I say others, I am also part of others. So if it is appealing to me at a very deep level, and I I haven't come from Mars. I mean, I live in this society, I live in this world. So if it appeals to me deeply, there, I would imagine there's a good chance that it appeals to the average human being. Mm. So I uh, no, I don't worry about that so much. Mm. The worry comes much, much, much later when you have done the first draft of the script, the second draft of the script, then certain production imperatives begin to come into play. Mm. You imagine certain sequences, for example, which might be very expensive.
0: So how is a the script then different from a story? A script just with all is the a cinematic
2: and, expression of sure. the story because the structure of a story is a free-flowing one. A script mm-hmm. is, by its very nature, so when you write, do you write into, the script
0: or you write the story. I start with the story always. Right. Always.
2: I mean, I start with this idea which I develop into a story because through the elaborate story... And then you complete the story
0: and then write the script. I know I mean, nothing is as straightforward as... Ye- I'm making it out to be... Effectively, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I for one would
2: like to know where the story ends before I actually embark on the script. So it's not that I haven't... Interesting. In, I mean, I've never... Worked on incomplete stories. That ice, it's going somewhere there. I don't know where it'll go. The scenes will tell me. Sure. I'd sure. like at the story stage itself to know what is the completeness. So for me, a story has to be a complete one, interesting. even if it will change and evolve as it goes along.
0: Interesting. I think interesting ideas there. Shovik, we jump to you. Does a video game, uh, online game, have a script? What is that world like? I
3: mean. um, yeah. Okay. So uh, just to kind of uh, add to what both of them said. I mean, I see the narrative experience, the storytelling experience, as an exploration of a space of possibilities. Mm -hmm. The game... Is a rule-bound uh, environment which also allows you to place uh, play with different possibilities, different alternative possibilities. What would could have happened? What could? And here, here there is a story which can be played and replayed. Right, a story which doesn't have to end in any one way. Yeah. So you can reload and replay the story. And there's one more thing I just wanted to add to Faznayer and uh, Anzum, which is uh, that. Every time you play a, a replay a sequence of the story, mm-hmm. you're also falling back on memory. Yeah just like yeah, when you don't when i start afresh yeah. don't truly yeah. start afresh R- right now if this is our story that we are i mean i've flown in from calcutta and then to, uh, well sure. i've come here i'm talking having this really interesting conversation but there is there is a lot of memory yes. i mean I, I remember the other interesting conversation that i've had with professor nair uh, with uh, with anjum just just a few minutes back yes. with yourselves for, yes. for this long time in the morning yes. so there's memory as well and this is this is how I mean for me I see the game uh, kind of I see I see the story in the game as being a playful story uh-huh. but I also see stories narratives in general having that element of play where you can play around where you can replay
0: play what and, exactly you know. do you mean when you say play I mean uh, just to make sure we're getting the nuance right yeah, when you say play yeah. so when I say play I mean
3: that there is there is obviously a Kind of a level of freedom to explore possibilities, Uh right? That possibility space where you're not constrained to kind of just stick to one kind of understanding of meaning, that this is the meaning, the Mm. meaning, as Mm. it were. There are so many possibilities, and that that is what I mean when I say play. Mm. Right. Mm. So it's kind of that free form experience of the. uh,
1: You
2: know, uh, would it be right to say that? In your case, I mean, in the case yeah, of yeah. video games, it's also a series of choices Absolutely, that the yeah. uh, character, Absolutely. meaning you, the, the player, is making. And therefore, if it is thing, something which has an aim of reaching a certain successful completion and if the wrong choices lead you off, then that is what sticks in your memory and then you don't make those choices and you Absolutely. go on. So which is very similar to also what we try to do in scripts I mean this the plot progresses mm. because of the choices that exactly. the even character I mean. makes but in a exactly. game you're
0: a part yes. of the game
2: yes in the game so you are also you're the a, author you're the object <laughs> yeah. and the you're, subject
3: you're the author yeah. you're the, you're, the, you're the player the author at the same time the object and the su- and you're you're actually effectively writing and rewriting many of these scripts possible you're actually okay there might be one scripted narrative which will lead you from uh, you know stage A to stage D but there are all these other possibilities that can exist and there is, in, incompleteness is also a valid possibility yes, in so the, I, so
1: Can I jump please, in there please, a little please. bit which is one thing that I have always thought is you know Anjum talked about ending of mm. a play or a story and how important it is for us yes. as writers to have the a ending that, in yeah. view but I often think uh, in, in relation to the greatest crisis in our lives which is death so we don't know when it's going to come and so our lives are more like a television play which goes from episode to episode <laughs> and we don't know the serial like a television serial but opera. not like a Greek tragedy where you already know the mm. end so you mm. have these two models of life as it yeah. were which are paid, played out in fictional forms one would be this television play serial model where we go from episode to episode always drawing on memory and various uh, inputs and the other is where we imagine the end of a life and our own lives which is impossible to do so that we do fictionally to self-create our deaths that we can only do fictionally because we could never we can do it uh, we can only do it hypothetically so I would think of fiction as essentially a form one way I would think of fiction as opposed to story is that it is a thought experiment Uh it is really testing out possibilities that space of possibilities and our ability to imagine different scenarios for our own deaths which we can never live through and come out at the other end is this fictional possibility so you know narrative has a structure causality a beginning and middle and an end and the end is hard to imagine.
0: Fictions
1: enable us to by creating several possibilities to actually uh, imagine what could happen. So this is what Aristotle said, not what does happen, but which could or ought to happen. Yeah. So, so there is probably. a moral uh, uh, twang there. There's a moral energy there as well. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of stories, you know, our stories, People want to know the good, well-formed story. What is the moral of the story? Right. <laughs> I mean, so the moral of the story is so critical. And as social beings, we are... In a way, we say, why do we have to produce a moral? But at the other hand, stories end with these generalizations or imply, even if they do not state, the goals of moral, goals of life. And i really like a comment on whether this element... Of a coda, a moral coda, is essential to our sense of a satisfying In story. In a video game, do you need or a coda? do you need that? Returning the narrative time to the present. Um, I will also, I'll
3: start with the issue of death. Um, so Aristotle says that uh, a plot is about daisies and lucis, tying and untying. Mm. Yeah. So with video games, it is about dying and undying. <laughs> if I might be allowed to yeah, <laughs> die, you go over and start yeah, again. You, you can die and you then you can can go and back and to the previous, previous level. level. You can exactly. start again. Mm. So this is instead of a sense Fiction. of an ending, it is again excuse the other pun, an absence of an ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absence of an ending mm-hmm. in which is what happens with right. the idea of the narrative in the game. And uh, as Anjum and uh, Professor Nair just pointed out, uh, I mean, when they were talking about the game, it's about choices. It's also about giving you the hands-on experience that you are writing You are, you are writing the story which is happening to you, right? Hmm. Which is a very strange, very scary kind of thing. You're
0: writing your own story in, into existence. So, the funny thing so, is that, you know, there is also an element of skill. Yes. in in some of these games so just because you managed to go from level 4 to level 5 in a certain game doesn't in any way guarantee that you'll manage to do the same the next time I'll also you add, know what i mean
3: a little bit to add to that there's also the element of cheating cheating <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a game you can cheat on your story you can you can cheat. Uh, you have cheat codes and things mm. like that. You you have different ways of kind
0: of bypassing Getting the these. the scripted uh, story, That's the interesting. program. Mm-hmm. So why why does one do that at all? I mean we are all reasonably sensible human beings. Why would one go through such pains to get to the other side of a fictional world?
3: Isn't it kind uh, of the exploration of the possibility space that is that no, is the interesting uh, part? I mean, but the, why what,
0: cheat your way through a fictional thing. Can, uh, what happens if I or, or what happens if in curiosity?
3: yes of hmm. course i mean and it's also kind it's of it's so sorry uh, no, no, you want yeah, go ahead i was just saying yes curiosity of course what happens next i mean what like in a detective story what happens after and for example this is my story i my story is going to be incomplete what was anjum's story mm. what was the one that he intended let's have mm. a let's how can That's i right. make it different or how can i engage with it or how can i just experience it as it is that's perhaps my and take on this
1: do you do you think that uh, you know lying which uh, or cheating your way to get to a thing is as fundamental uh, and link it's a related ability to making fictions because what we study in yeah. uh, in cognition is that every um, human child has told their first lie by age four or five. <laughs> every human child. Now you would think why? Why is that, Piquini? Tell us. Yes. So it's it's important because it's related, in my view, to. Telling stories is also a form of lying. It's a socially legitimate form of lying. We permit it. We think it's good because of the moral angle or or other reasons as well. But lying to get to a goal, intentional lying is bad, but both are forms of imagining an alternative to what the possibilities you're given and that imagination of alternative possibilities is the you know the relationship of lying to storytelling so stories are typically lies they didn't happen which brings me to a very you know this is something I really want to know I ask myself the question like you know why do people tell stories? It's, you know, If you want to convey information, <laughs> this is not the best way of doing so. And yet, storytelling, fiction, is a discourse universal. You find it yes. across society. Are there cultures with, without so stories? Are there cultures without stories? So far, we have not been able to find cultures which don't have forms of... Uh, you know uh, no which do not have storytelling they may not have universities they may not have script writing schools but they will have storytelling with recursion uh, as a structural property mm. and this has been found across human languages and i think and this is what Why i want is to that? ask so i want to ask anjum this see you know when we listen to when we watch one of your films on screen or read a story, here our pulse rates are going up, our mouths are open, our eyes are fixed. We have all the reactions that we have in situations of actual danger, yeah. actual falling in love. You know, we are weeping because somebody on the screen is suffering. And I think to myself, well, this is odd because it's false. And we know it's false. And we've gone in there for Suspension this false experience. This yeah. But we are having the physiological reactions. It's real. That the are reaction real. Yeah. So my question was, how come we know of, we have, we are dealing with a set of things we know are false, but we are having physiological relation, reactions which are real. And my answer to this was, in my research, sure is that you this is evolutionarily privileged because you if you actually started climbing mountains and falling in love to gain that experience the human species would be in quite a lot of danger because <laughs> they would they would actually have to have the experience in order to know what it is but storytelling is like flight simu- like a flight simulator yeah. you can get 80% of that, that empathetic same experience emotional experience through words. And that's why I think it's so fascinating. And I think it's a very powerful... Very powerful. Uh, Bollywood knows this better than most of... Everybody knows this. It's the, one of the most powerful means we have of navigating emotional survival. which uh, that, and That's why I think fictions have survived. That's great. Because it serves an evolutionary
0: purpose. Yeah, no? I
1: think it serves an evolutionary purpose. Ch- I think Ch- if Ch- fictions were not emotional,
3: just, they wouldn't matter. Just a quick question to both of them. This is very, very tempting now, so I can't resist. Please. So... Are you then saying that uh the very idea of kind of storytelling is already like playing a video game hmm. or a simulation and because hmm. you you compared storytelling the experience storytelling to slight simulation hmm. right so it's a is simulator, it is, yeah. is it is it kind of uh, already implicit in the very idea of storytelling Uh, the idea of kind of being able to... With similar experience but not the real
0: risk or whatever.
1: Yeah. So no real Mm -hmm. risk and lot of reward. Yeah. So it's Mm -hmm. evolutionarily interesting. And that's my thesis anyway, that you would have to have these forms. Now what I want to know is, can you tell a Bollywood story and have a successful story without gut ruptures? You know, uh, without... Mm -hmm. Things that are really um, moving you. Can you have a purely intellectual story?
0: Yes. Anjum, over to mm, you. The, see, the
2: purpose of a story… What's the
1: role of emotion in therefore your The purpose of,
2: stories? of uh, a film is not to sort of stimulate your intellect or to give you sort of challenging information which will… You know, Hmm. stimulate your brain cells. It's about imparting a relevant experience. And I'm putting an emphasis on the word relevant. Hmm. That whatever is being transacted on the screen, whatever drama that is unfolding on the screens through those characters there has to be relevant somewhere at some deep it level. It has to resonate, it
1: resonate. with yeah.
2: that. And that happens when you were asking, okay, why is it that we feel the experience even though it's false? I mean, we're sitting in a theater.
1: And you there know There is no it's
2: ghost. False. There is no killer. And yet mm-hmm. we are scared. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. we're sort exactly. of yeah, shivering with fear. Mm. That's also because of character identification. I mean, the Mm. whole transaction is because suspension of disbelief, Mm. which happens, which is why the setting of a theater is dark, where all your other sensory distractions, stimulus, Mm. etc. is all cut out, which is why film is written for that experience. And thereby the identification with the character Right in the beginning of the film, you will notice the way the character is introduced, his vulnerability. And every character will have a certain vulnerability, including a Superman or a Spider-Man, which is what allows the audience to identify with that, the humanness of that. Then whatever the character experiences, you experience, which is the technique that we use actually, yeah. to set up a story by involving the, character, uh, by involving the audience. Into the world of the story and into the mind of the character. But
1: you tell me one thing. So there's this paradox which is always posed, which is you. the fellow is about to drink poison on the stage. Yeah. Okay. So you are identified with that character and you're thinking, is he going to... But you don't jump up on the stage even though you've identified with him full stay and knocked the wine glass out of his hand. Mm, no, no. So here there is example. a wall. Mm. And what is that wall?
2: Yeah, but it's not a paradox. I mean, there is a certain nature. I mean, the whole nature of the engagement is by you being an audience member, not by you being a participant in that. So it's not that your disbelief extends to such an so extent
1: that. so where the you feel that I can
2: go and tear the, I mean, there it has happened. I mean, initial stages... When they brought, the Lumiere brothers brought their, uh, but, uh, yeah, the yeah, train event. People that. <laughs> that yeah, I digital that. They ran That they actually believed it, it's coming out. <laughs> but now we've evolved happening. enough to understand that the medium has so its limitations. The negative limitations. capability kind but of stays. We know em- it's real and unreal at but the
0: same time. But in terms of the
2: emotional impact, it is. I mean, this what you actually pointed out is what Hitchcock uses. Yes. Okay, as suspense. Yes. Okay, yes. It's suspense where the audience knows. Okay, there is a bomb ticking away. So you're desperately screaming in your mind, get out of the train, get out of the train, because the bomb's going to go off. But you know that you can't help it. And (laughs) you will have to go through with that. And this is what we play around with. That is the boundary. That's what I want. No, but we also anticipate your tension. Hmm. We anticipate at which point your tension will reach breaking point where it becomes unbearable. And that is when the resolution, either tragic or... Uh, happy comes about. Mm-hmm. So it's also calibrated.
1: Calibrated, yeah. yes. Keeping in
2: mind, see, mm-hmm. therefore, just to take this point further, that when you're writing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you're not merely writing. When I'm writing a script, it's not merely for self expression or the satisfaction of having expressed something so nicely and dramatically. Sure. It's also the viewer writer dynamic. I'm writing and receiving at the same mm-hmm. time as a viewer. Loop. So it's mm-hmm. like I'm testing it out. Mm-hmm. That this is where I, and there are many times that I read a script of mine. I know it's fiction. I have tears in my eyes. (laughs) Forget the audience. I mean, it appears foolish. My mother thought this was the most foolish thing. She said, you know it. this is false. You wrote it yourself. (laughs) And yet you are saying that you are so moved to tears. I used to. When I narrate a story, sometimes I am moved to tears. See, so the knowledge
1: doesn't help. It is not no. about
0: knowledge. So it's, not about about knowledge. It's, it's about, about, the, ex- it about? the
1: experience. It's about subsuming What is it about? It's about the emotional time. experience and the yeah. relevant. Emo- so he's right. It's not any emotional experience. Yeah. It's the relevant. And the thing is that. But you have to make the experience relevant. That's well. why,
2: Rukmini, so many films get rejected.
1: So exactly. many films
2: are rejected by the very audience for which they have been designed and made. Because the experience is no longer relevant, it doesn't resonate with them. And it's not merely the content, it's also the form of expression becomes in scripts very important. The structure <laughs> uh, and the way in which the story unfolds. It might be the best story in the world if it is badly told, you have a flop film on your hands. Uh, it's, it's, and it, the uh, history of Indian cinema is replete with thousands of examples. Tell me why to change
0: tracks just a little bit mm-hmm. and I mean, we, we've spoken about stories a little bit. How many types of narratives are there? How many structures are there? I mean, it, is it infinite? It doesn't sound right. No. It seems like there are four or five superstructures, or maybe five or so, ten, whatever that number is. Yeah. And they seem to be going around, this and they seem to work time and again, with so some peaks thrown in. What do you have to say to know, that? You know, Rukmin, you heard of
2: uh, George's Polti?
1: Ye- yes, George is He, huh.
2: I think, somewhere in the uh, early, uh, in the first half of the twentieth century, sure. he did a history, a uh-huh. survey uh-huh. in the history of narrative literature, mm-hmm. and came out saying that there are only thirty-six yes, dramatic that, situations, original uh, dramatic situation? Situation? Uh, not uh, which is plots, you what is the plot? uh-huh. dramatic situation, the, which becomes uh, a plot to a which Russian the story, is a central situation. Uh, prop, uh,
1: prop, it's prop. Yeah. yeah. So he's talking
2: that's, about prop. No, I'm talking about Palti. Prop is, prop is, is the one who same. wrote on mm. uh, Russian the folktales and morphology and I'm talking about George Spolty, who actually put down including Romeo and Juliet and there are several archetypes there 36. are only yeah. 36, 36 original plots in the history of literature does knowing no.
0: that help you when you're writing a script not necessarily not because at all. Not at all?
2: it's not the, the, the generic plot that I'm aiming for it is my interpretation of that because it may be uh, the, if you analyse any script of mine you might be able to Relate it to one of those plots. But uh, that's irrelevant to me. Sure. And that's irrelevant to the audience. They don't need to know that. Sure. But I'm saying, in answer to your question, since you said there are there limited number of 36.
0: possibilities. 36. 36 sounds like a nice number. Yeah, <laughs> like, Why not have forty-two? It's not only for
1: <laughs> stories, it's for characters, character these types. Are plots. These so are these are plots, these are the stories, but you uh, you cannot have a story, or you have not had Stories. can we have a brand new uh, w- story th- no that you cannot ever have a story without characters yeah, I mean nervous. you can have one but it is a very very uh, academic exercise or a remote ac- exercise uh, s- a plot is something for its can dynamic a star- needs, uh, needs characters so what about animations? they're game characters. Yes, so they're, they're characters. characters. They're animated they're characters. Yeah, so. And there is a certain number of characters. I forget. Are there, are there video number, games without yeah.
0: characters? Where well, you, I mean... Uh, when the fact is you that the could player... You could have
3: academic exercises like that, perhaps. But, I mean, there, there are games like... There's a, a game called Cloud. There's a game called Flower where you just kind of experience uh the experience of a flower clouds or flowers whatever. are characters they are yes. characters but uh, <laughs> no uh, but you you're not part of kind of you, you just kind of see them happening but whether they are games is a different question whether they're just art installations or games mm-hmm. is a different yes, question yes you could
1: have lots of sequences which are not narrative or story sequences or uh, fictional sequences I mean, uh, for so, me
3: though i mean this this doesn't number doesn't work uh, yeah. because it's it's the experience mm-hmm. after i mean mm-hmm. for me of it's the course. player's experience and it it's more Fluid than kind of having a a number or I mean uh, a, a particular or category or whatever. Or and many many game designers uh, nowadays uh, swear by uh, hero with a thousand faces. I mean, um, mm. uh, so uh, kind of uh, try to set, set it in that format. But and they they uh, usually derive from uh, they come from uh, film filmed, uh, uh, script writing, uh, screenwriting, and all. But it. Uh, The game's experience doesn't really kind of constrain you to these things, really. Um, I I had another uh, quick point to make in addition to we're talking about engagement and emotional engagement just to come back to that the willing suspension of disbelief. With games, we instead of just immersion, we also have, we talk of something called out-immersion. Okay. While we are, uh, this idea of being immersed in the game, uh, remember there's this, Coleridge's uh, terms is willing suspension of disbelief. It's yes. not entire 100% suspension
0: of disbelief. That's As right. Anjum said,
3: That's right. it's, it's wi- really. how, how much you have willed yourself in, and you're already, while you're playing the game, the yes. spectator
0: is complicit is
3: it? It's yeah. ab- yes the spectator the spectator actor if you get into this ball I mean uh, there uh, there is it's there you're actually inhabiting the avatar or the character you're, what you what you're doing the character uh, on the screen is doing like you you t- in if you have this new technology like the Kinect you turn the steering it's on the uh, aesthetic uh, experience yeah, absolutely I mean, you, yeah but you are still aware that you're holding that steering in that kind of uh, and after a time your hands are going to start aching, the PlayStation controller is is not going to perhaps respond as as much as you wanted to. and <laughs> and there there is that uh, that thing. and I, I think that connects to what both of them have been saying. Video games just make it more obvious, mm. really because you're you're doing it with your hands literally kind of you have a controller you have a medium through which you're kind of trying to move the character and the best thing is that breaking of the fourth wall business I yes, mean you are, are coming uh, against the so in real life I can jump over this chair yes in video game I can jump over a wall uh, maybe this whole house but I can't jump over this chair because <laughs> uh, because the person has for, forgotten to code it in there yes <laughs> so that, there you go and, and you that's outmersion there suddenly <laughs> Yeah. Another thing is That's when you when you kind of you're playing a first person shooter first person game you go into uh, the restroom in the game and there's a mirror and you look at the face and it's not your face. Mm. Yeah. Right. The hands yeah. wow. are yours mm. but the face is not but yours. But
1: the face is not so it's, it's illusion. It's the face of Max wow.
3: Payne or somebody. Yeah.
0: So... It's very so interesting. Weird. So the medium matters. Shovik, <laughs> mm. so yeah, the yeah.
3: media matters. That's that's what I was trying to kind of get across. But I the, think both the, all of us are kind of somewhat, you know. The
1: medium matters, I agree, but I think that for me the the the, 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 the capacity to invent tools nice. uh, like video games or any other games is like a basic human trait yeah, invention yeah. we are tool making animals and we are language using animals we these two come together in storytelling and so for me it's a very human impulse even though we invent new ways of ju- so uh, jumping over you know roofs but not being able to jump over the chair in this room but if you look at you know if I ask any of you can you count the number of words in your head you can't right yeah Uh, but any simple computer can do it right so why is it so we are constrained our brains are constrained to see certain types of things and certain types of things we cannot do we know we must have a certain number of morphemes in our head we can never get at it because of the way that we have been designed so in some ways our the initial design possibilities or design conditions which were put in by nature, very built in fiction as one of those things we could do. And as we invent new tools, <laughs> you know, cinema screens and video games and all, we are looking at that impulse while other avenues were closed for us, like counting the number of words in our heads. This was closed, so we can't do it. You know, And that is very interesting to me, that a capacity for lying or imagination or storytelling... <laughs> those or, things are there. Those things are there, but other sort of simple capabilities have been blocked off. And because nature is such a good designer, and, or, but also one which makes mistakes, I think it's interesting that these possibilities, the scope, the fictional possibilities have been left open for us whereas the other ones it sounds like a gift so it's 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 like a gift and it's a very we you know you can survive. can you survive without this gift yes you can survive but not as a fully sort of empathetic member of your community you can certainly but storytelling we tell ourselves stories every day without it we would not be memory animals so for example if you get Alzheimer's you lose your capacity your memory capacity to build the story and you lose your sense of who you are yeah and And you believe they are inextricably linked yes so I think that they could Hmm. be linked that you when you stop telling yourself these everyday stories about I did this etc you can't tell it because your brain is not allowing you to do it you lose a sense of who you are essentially you know as a member of your society and same with very young babies yes until they have the language and the thing, they don't have they have now time, but not past, present and future time. And I think narrative gives us this so cause: identity time.
0: and time, identity, come into being. time, why? memory,
1: emotion. Mm. So they are knotted together in fiction. Mm. And that's why it is so critical. What I want to ask is, look, look caste, huh? Is it a fiction? Is it a fiction? You'd agree it's a fiction cast? Or is? do you think it's reality? Which cast? It's a construct E, e. With, with e. an E Yeah, With an E It's an Indian sort of thing sure. So is it it's, it's a fiction But it's not a story, right?
2: Why do you say it's a fiction?
1: So tell me Do you think it's a fiction or not?
2: Yeah, but depends on how you define fiction In this yeah. particular so context So almost
1: any word you get Any social yeah. word Unless it's narrativized for you and we narrativize it. I mean, I chose caste That's because, yeah. you know, unless yeah. you narrativize it, you can't. You can't tell, it, this is the meaning of caste. It is a fourfold system. You know, in order to get the experience, you have to it. You learn yes. it through storytelling. In that
2: sense, I mean, as opposed to, say, gender. the Gender mm-hmm. is a reality. I mean, it's because there's a biological difference that we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Whereas if you're talking about caste, I mean, caste is a social construct. But even gender
1: could be a social... People say, you know, Simone de Beauvoir said, we are deviating a little bit, but it pertains to the notion of the scope of fiction. One gets that. That is not... whether it's narrative or not. So he's saying, Simone de Beauvoir said, one becomes one. one. What does that mean? (laughs) That means biological gender... Yes. is not prioritized at birth because at least the child itself doesn't so, know.
3: Bova, I think differentiates between sex and gender. So g- biologically everybody
1: that sex is biological but gender, gender is, is sociological, right? Yeah. But the point here is that mm-hmm. in order to really make meaning out of the experience of any of these categories, truth, beauty, whatever, if they are not they can't be pointed out to you. You can't say what is truth, you know. So, narrativizing them gives us the social... making them into fictions. Interesting. And then telling the story around them. So, Kass, you know, Eklavya or whatever it is, the hundreds of them. And... Do there, don't do this, do so I think in some ways social reality is most fictionalized. I mean when I say reality, it's reality, but it's the most fictionalized set of categories that It's we interesting. Seem to have. It's
0: interesting how one can think you know about that it in terms maybe of
1: Maybe we shouldn't so I'm not sure you know, that we have everything is fiction practically. Yep.
0: Yeah,
3: and yeah, and yeah, yeah. News, for example, <laughs> so, is—I mean, what you see as news is actually a construct. I mean, somebody has kind of put them together yeah. so and show that, you there. Yeah, know, well, you know. but these post- news is fiction. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah, I'm saying. So it's, 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 a, it's, <laughs> a, it's <laughs> kind
1: of it's bad <laughs> fiction. Yeah, it's also <laughs> it's, it's bad fiction. fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How does
0: um, you know? So, for example, if you were to write about a serial killer, oh. you haven't been one, we presume, and. Mm. Um, How do you go about a process like that? I think it's relatively simpler for you to write. Uh, the role of a father. or there the were role, characters which are closer to me in a real woman? life.
2: Yeah, but that also here you're talking about consciousness. Mm. Yeah. And creativity doesn't necessarily emerge from consciousness. In that sense to put it very crudely I'd say that there's a serial killer inside of me. Which means what goes what goes into the serial killer I mean the, this propensity for violence this sort of unending anger if, if that is his motivation or jealousy or whatever it is those feelings because of which he's doing that. Mm. They all reside inside of us it's just that a lot of them are repressed a lot of them are denied and Acknowledged, etc. The process of creativity is also to be able to delve deep enough to be able to locate that.
0: Yeah.
2: You see, you. I'm writing a Gabbar Singh.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Those two, Salim Javed wrote a Gabbar Singh. One of the most evil, most the unscrupulous villains that we have seen. Yeah. But The point is that that component resides in us. Yeah. So if you go by the psychoanalytical construct, for example, it is the capacity for for violence and evil and lust and greed and you know all are, are is is innate in the human mind. The point is, in the process of writing, the person has to be able to discover that so you identify with that which means in my imagination, I am able to feel that. You know, one of the most difficult scenes, challenges I threw my way was just as a challenge, completely out of context, it wasn't part of a script.
0: Sure.
2: Is that Outlook, or I think it was Outlook, had carried that ...during the Gujarat carnage on the cover of that man sure. with that band. Yes, sure. of yeah. course. We and all remember And with a sure. sword. And I looked into his eyes and I was completely mesmerized... ...because the kind of excitement which yes. was there... Yes. ...because of the power of the violence that he could unleash. And I said, I am going to write a scene with this character in mind... Actually inflicting that violence and in my mind, I have to identify with that. That means I have to write it with conviction. It was difficult, but I could do it. I found in myself that in my imagination, I could actually feel that excitement. I am not like that, I will say, because I am considered a civilized person. Sure. So therefore, But the point is, all of us…
0: You could tap into that. Yes,
2: Hitler wasn't didn't come from Mars. Even yeah. I mean, the others, you know, who find all these you know, violent fundamentalists, they're all human beings with the same kind of DNA and mentality that we have, except that we don't act on that. And it is not that we don't feel, Many times we feel that. Many times you feel like inflicting violence. So, I
0: do, I so this
2: tells you that there are infinite characters. Since you're asking also about resonance and how do you feel that. So there is something in you which can identify with that. I can write from a point of view of a child molester, and you will be feeling extreme empathy and compassion for that person with a certain understanding. And I don't mean forgiveness or justification or any other moral, moral thing, understanding. but an understanding, which yes. means you will be able to feel what he is feeling. And it'll make you severely uncomfortable because it is there in you to be able to identify with that. That's what I'm saying.
0: Then stories remain unending. Tell me, you know, I, as you talk about. It sounds like a deeply personal process, even this process of writing a script or a story. Can you collaborate on one? Can you write a script with three <laughs> other people? It's I mean, two other people.
2: I mean, I have written, I mean, half the scripts that I have done I have been written independently, and half have been written in collaboration with the director. It's very, very arduous and uh, sometimes very torturous process. Because to be able to match that, as you said, it's deeply personal. Something is coming out from within myself. It contains my personal emotion, maybe attached to some forgotten memory. You know, my own narrative, which is, uh, I'm trying to give shape to it. Script writers the must be very
0: interesting people, Anjum. By all writers, human beings are very interesting people. <laughs> human beings are very
2: interesting people. Yeah. so it is difficult. How and are, how in are rare video games? Does that collaboration? How are video work? games? I'm Shodhik. going to
3: come back to the space of possibilities that I described. Okay, I think what Anjum is describing is something similar. You are looking at a space of possibilities that you can explore. Think of me playing as Lara Croft. A yeah. uh, really buxom lady, and you can see uh, in third-person view. Yeah, and I know that it's not me. Yeah, but it's it's sometimes in, in the beginning it used to jar. I mean, I, it was difficult to kind of even think that I would walk like that. Yeah. because it's kind of uh, really emphasized and kind of uh, so. But you can identify with that character. You can want to do certain things that the character does. Yeah. And I will also give you this example, uh, which I spoke about earlier in this uh, video game, where you play as a CIA operative who to fil- fil- this Russian mafia. But as part of the mafia, you are supposed to go into a Russian airport and shoot civilians. Yeah. So you just go and shoot civilians at random, wantonly. And that experience is extremely, extremely disturbing. It is. But it is for me it is it's designed to be for, for some people it isn't if you look at the youtube video and the comments <laughs> they they really <laughs> identify it with it in a different way just as that man i mean if if somebody like that man had written that story he would have thought it was normal right so for me it was disturbing because i come from a different kind of uh, mental makeup perhaps so you see it is possible though it sounds
0: like it's a great tool for psychological testing
3: <laughs> well, I'm, 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 <laughs> well, it's been used. It's it been used, is, for, it uh, uh, used for for these them. things, and for me, it is this exploration of possibilities that the video game also allows you to do, and it's it's very similar to the other medium that we are to- media that we are talking about here.
0: Are are okay. mostly all the games first person games now? No, there there are, because oh. it's interesting. You make this point about first person and third person yes. a couple of times. Uh, there, are, there are first person, third person. There are also real-time strategy
3: games where you're actually kind of playing with entire armies so you actually you populate the minds of different little people you're you're like the god you're the god of the game I also wanted to say something yes. else in, in uh, answer, in kind of in response to the question about collaboration. Yes. Sometimes you play games with other people. Yes. Right?
0: Multiplayer games. MMORPGs. Yeah, yeah or, or just, yeah. Even uh, otherwise. Yeah, even Multiplayer otherwise. games. Yeah.
3: So if I play a game with you where I'm uh, kind of interacting with the same story, yeah. my space of possibilities is limited. Right. It's not the same as a single-player game where I'm just doing... Because mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at it in, in terms of possibility spaces. Yes. Mm-hmm. My space of possibilities is limited by what the direct, uh, what, what your collaborator is trying to kind of do because we are having to come to an agreement to kind of write that story, that's, that's cre- the screenplay uh, uh, that you're writing. That's Similarly, interesting. Uh, I'm just kind of drawing an analogy mm-hmm. here with mm-hmm. games. It's just so, so obvious. I have to do certain things which my partner is forcing me to do almost. Yes.
0: Otherwise, mm. I leave the game. What about the, uh, the voice? I mean, why do you choose... Uh, go ahead. So w- me
1: you, uh, well, what about the voice? You were going to talk about mm. voice. But I wanted to come Please. in just on this notion of you know the collaborative two things one yes. is this notion of the collaborative is, it, is can you really write as freely collaboratively yes. as you can as a single individual finding within yourself the emotional and other possibilities of various characters or as he said in a game you have to think what your partner is doing and so on and so forth and I wanted to say that in my research and in other research also it's been found that storytelling mostly occurs in you tell stories to yourself but many of the stories are shared stories uh-huh. they happen in shared social space uh-huh. you know so there're one or two people around and in those stories what you find is a story typically has about six structural parts you know okay. there is a uh, there's an abstract then there is a complicating action then there no. is a climax etc resolution coda, coda etc now what we found is interestingly that in ordinary conversations the many of the parts of the story are not done by the main storyteller, but are actually done by the listener. So the listener will fill in the emotional implications. The listener will (laughs) fill in the climax. The listener will provide the coda. The listener will often also provide the abstract. So this is a story about war and peace. So what we found is it's very much the structure of storytelling seems to be highly collaborative in the social space. That is to say, it's always being constrained by somebody else. It's almost as if you are, even when you're telling a story by yourself in your own space, you're really telling it to somebody else. So that monologue is secondary to dialogue in the human mind. So you tell yourself, uh, you know, the story is a dialogical thing, although we think of it as a sequential thing. It's really a thing which you share with a listener who is silently interrogating you uh, uh, all the time? It's very interesting. So, it's so, very interesting. But in so,
0: fiction, and you know, how does one decide the viewpoint? I mean, sometimes I mean, obviously there are works with, with a narrator. Sometimes there are works without a narrator. It just happens, and you're kind of watching it from afar. Uh, sometimes there are situations when the narrator changes as we go along. How why do you, how do you decide that there should be a narrator in this film?
2: Well, o- ordinarily, uh, people start out to write without wanting a voiceover to be there though voiceover can do charming things to the story but the more the norm is to allow the events action and dialogue why are there situations the where screen. you can't
0: do without the narrator
2: well there are times where it's not about not doing without it but I think it's about adding value to it i mean a lot of Good voiceovers are those where even if you remove the voiceover, the film still holds. But if you add the voiceover, then it it adds a certain charming dimension. I mean, take the simple case of Lagan, if you have seen. Now Lagan would have held without Mr. Bachchan's. You remember Lagan, you sure. know, without Mr. Bachchan's voiceover coming in. Okay. Yeah. But that voice adds a certain laconic commentary to right. it, which does two things. One is that it somewhere undercuts. Okay, the melodrama. But the
0: narrator is on the side of the spectator almost. It's kind of making it... It's an interpreter.
2: Yeah, it's not on the side of the spectator. But yes, he's acting like something like a liaison. Or like an interface. Between the uh, viewer and that. Sometimes a narrator is there to impart information so that you can make sense out of what is going on because uh, a montage of sequences can be so information heavy yeah. that it becomes difficult to decodify it's a for the paper. audience. Mm-hmm. So then a narrator mm-hmm. becomes... Th- at that time, it's sort of necessary to have a narrator. Sure. Sure. You know, if I were to, for example, write, say, uh, one second, uh, write a film, which is a Hindi film, yeah. about, say, NASA... Yeah, and there's some intrigue taking place there, and there's a whole lot of technological sort of things yeah. to be shown, and the dilemma of a character who's stuck in there and wants to take some very complicated decisions. Yeah. Now, there, I'm in the introduction. I might be tempted to use a narrator who would, in a very simple form, explain, because otherwise, for me to be able to weave in that information
0: into the plot,
2: into the plot it will is, be become it's going to be a waste of time. Very elaborate. You yeah. See? yeah. So you up front, you give it in. Sure. You know, why don't we, why out, don't
0: we spend you know. the last five odd minutes thinking about the future? What's the future, Rukmini? What's the future of fiction? What's the future of narratives? What's the question posed to all of you. 500 years out, how are these stories going to be different? How are the narratives going to be different? Uh-huh. How are bedtime stories going to be different, <laughs> if at all?
1: Well, I'd like to connect to the point just made, which was the point about, you know, you might want to introduce a narrator to bring things together, because otherwise it's going all over the place. And I recently saw an American serial, which was called House of Cards, and it's quite famous. Now, in it, the president was the central character comes out of the screen and, and addresses directly the, yeah. addresses the audience. It's Kevin you know, Spacey and says, character. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And he says, well, you know, what they are thinking is wrong. This is how I intend to handle this situation. So he breaks out of the story completely the narrative line and talks directly to the audience the fourth share, one. so uh, yes and gives you a moral double twist a double turn so in that sense it shows that with certain media certain fictional uh, you know because you can see the background there but he's moving out of it while being inside the screen so it shows how uh, you know you all you could imagine this narrative possibility but to put it into a, a format which is easily accessible you needed a certain type of setting of cameras and you know right. uh, it to execute this idea so I think it's not so much so when we talk about the future and 500 years in evolutionary time is nothing right because storytelling has been around for almost we imagine as long as language so at least there's some kind of
0: an acceleration underway in the side of technology at least you could say
1: yes technology will accelerate processes Yes, but will it change basic emotions will it change the way in which Will it create new emotions? Yes. So my so my so in answer to the question, will Narratives create new emotions. Will there be new fictional forms of emotion? I do have an answer. I think that we are moving from uh, Aristotle's idea of catharsis, you have the great emotions of pity and fear, to what I think of as postmodern or modern emotions such as anxiety. Boredom, depression, a uh, uh, various uh, small yeah. scale emotions, which Very uh, which govern our everyday lives. Um, there is a much more stress on every individual being a central character in a in a story uh, with lot more access so having his own story so earlier there were kings and uh, mythological beings and so on and those will continue to be part of the thought experiment of fiction but in addition but it's to obviously, that yeah. the individual it's coincident and with the birth whole of man, range the of emotions of, will come into being and the technologies mm-hmm. will be the new technological games we have or other technologies will really orient towards these finer nuances of emotion, not just the great emotions like uh, pity or something, but also all this minor irritation and uh, sort of uh, things like boredom and so on so i think the smaller or the nuanced emotions are the ones which modern narratives while not giving up on the great emotions the nuances of love yeah the the problematics of love can in the micro media which we are developing to explore the narrative space these micro Microcosms uh, of emotion will, I think, become in the, you know, in the, with the last, which much greater resolution. elaboration, detail. Yeah. I don't know about resolution, but certainly the narrative space will be peopled um, by beings who will look at a much more nuanced and complex structure of emotions, which will then reflect back on our capacity to be human and to experience a great emotion. So excellent. The, excellent. that's what I think, if we are talking about the future
0: of Excellent. Shovik,
1: why don't we go to
0: you? What's the future? Okay, you seem so to be closest to wherever the future, whatever the future is. I can talk
3: about the technology, for sure, of uh, what's emerging in video games. I'll give you one quick example and make it very quick. I know we are. So this is of the breaking of the fourth wall. There's a game called Metal Gear. Where uh, the game's uh, antagonist is called Psychomantis. You're Psycho playing Mantis. it with a PlayStation controller. Right, you have it yes. held in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens is the moment you move the controller, the program reads what you're doing and second guesses what mm. you might be able to do. So it tells you now you're going to approach me from this corner. Okay. So let let us let us play a little game. It's actually kind of telling you what you, it's very scary. <laughs> the the story is kind of talking back to you. Yes, it's, you it's kind of it's just a clever yeah, kind of you know mechanism which they have with the. So yeah. it anticipates your move. Absolutely, and that that's kind of the breaking of the fourth wall. Mm. I mean, the alienation effect or whatever you mm. call it, but it just comes out and it anticipates your move and it tells you, oh, but this is a story. You're you're actually getting it wrong. Mm. And let me let me tell you how I'm going to do it. You're reading it this way, but I'm going to read it this way. So the empire doesn't strike, well, the story strikes back effectively. Psychomantis kind of uh, comes in. And the other thing I wanted to tell you. Is about uh, technology which responds to uh, your uh, kinesthetic kind of uh, movements. Yeah. Right. So you you are more kind of your your body is also part yes, of the story. I was going to say yeah. that. You mm. you have a corporal experience mm. with 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 the story. You're physically in almost it. in it. I'm not saying it's going to be holodeck. Mm-hmm. That's Well, uh, Star Trek has already told us that stories will be about holodecks and things like that. I'm not going there. But certainly, I I, I totally agree with Professor Nair about uh, emotions... About the minutiae of emotions and what I'd call the affect. The prolonged the stage of, I mean, even waiting and kind of, you know, trying to formulate those emotions is going to be, uh, uh, is already and so is going to be even more. The universe Fiction is going to be challenge. Yes. That's, yeah. very uh, yeah. That's
0: very interesting. So That's very interesting. Anjum, what's the future? What are the Hindi films oh. of 2200 going to be like? They could be the same. We could have I like a remake of... In terms
2: of, of stories, f- uh, I, I feel as, so stories come from human beings. They also come in trying to sort of piece together the components of our nature and that nature hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the oldest documented myth, Gilgamesh, Fifteen thousand BC. I mean, it's still about those same dilemmas which we face today. I mean, greed, and we're talking about Hmm. you know, plus good and evil, and so those fundamental battles. Okay, will continue to dog human beings, and will continue to be reflected in stories. But the form of expression and the techniques and the devices which are used, like she mentioned about. Kevin Spacey's character addressing the audience directly. So those departures, I feel, yes, might certainly. But are you going to space. explore
0: smaller emotions? Some of that seems smaller to- emotions, in the sense, the at
2: the base of the smaller emotion is a larger uh, sort of, you know, concern which does reside. Now, the. Expressions and what she's talking about is also culturally dependent. I mean, so they given That's the certainly. as lifestyle evolves, as the changes, so there are experience of those emotions. Like she said, anxiety is a norm. Yes, of course. Now the anxiety is also, there might be a particularity to that anxiety, the way if you're talking about urban life and if a film is aimed at that. So it essentially caters to what is it that is dogging a particular audience, so right. to say, but the constituents for which the film is made. And the stories try to reflect And
0: Anjum, we'll end with one last question and we're almost done. Are there films you watch which you relate to as a spectator but you just couldn't have written? Oh,
2: many. My God.
0: <laughs> Why is that? Because… Human films. Not as, yeah, as a viewer,
2: my capacity for engaging with stories is much, much vaster then it is more uh, than, it is, then than my talent to... as a writer, than my creative capacity. So, animation films, for example, comedy, I mean, I, I, I feel I can't write a comedy, but I enjoy comedy enormously. So, that, of course, I mean, that's an, that's, I have an infinite capacity for appreciation and engagement with stories, but my limited capacity as a
0: writer. <laughs> Anything.
3: Strangely yeah. enough, <laughs> uh, there are very few comedies in video games. Very few funny why, video games. Why aren't? Maybe that should why be the future. But, I, I, but I think, well, yeah, I, why I, why I never know. Why are video games have, uh, funny? Um, I, I, I don't know of... Uh, I and mean, there are certain places in video games, certain sections, which might be there funny. There might be comical
0: turns here and the, there. Yes. But why but don't we have a video game we just keep laughing out aloud on? Because... Uh, <laughs> it's maybe what
3: Anjum is just kind of addressing. I mean, perhaps perhaps that register is more difficult to kind
1: it's of, you know... Self-reflexive to, uh, nature yes. requires two levels of cognition. Exactly. And uh, if you, in a video game, you have to take quick decisions all the time so you can't no but it
0: could be a different video game but why do the f- and there, f- there might be slapstick involved no, there, could and be, it there could be, be ah.
1: but it will take away from I think a-
0: comedy has to do with the unexpected and if you're doing something it's not expected
1: But
3: video games also have have, the unexpected. Quite a bit of the unexpected. unexpected.
0: But uh, you have
3: to, then, self as she's saying, self reflexively understand. Self reflexivity
1: uh, is is not permitted beyond a point in a video game. Only though in some dialogues or things like that. You could build it. Yeah. The question is to what it, uh, at what point it would break. Exactly. You know, mm. I once asked the comedian David Lodge. Uh-huh. You know, David Lodge, the yes. writer, Nice yes. Places and so on. You know, you make these rib, uh, you know, cracking yeah. novels. Mm-hmm. So, do you ever laugh uh, when you write your own novels? Uh-huh. Because, you know, we have the tickle reflex. That's yes. a bodily reflex. Yes. You yes. can't tickle yourself Correct. and laugh. But That's you can tickle others. So I said, do you have this reflexive, right? And he said, you know, I never laugh when I write comedies. It is only... Po- so it's very serious. And if I laughed, it would ruin the comedy. So I think there's something like that in the video game. While you're doing it, you can't afford to be self-reflexive. Thank you. I think it's a great note. It's <laughs> yeah. a
0: great note to end this on. And we look forward to having all of you soon again. Thank you. Really appreciate Thank it.
1: You. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. That was wonderful.